115th day of the year has arrived, and we're not quite one-third of the way through 2023 just yet. That milestone will be met on the 122nd day, or a week from now. There are so many ways to divide up time, and the intent of Charlottesville Community Engagement is to inform anyone reading or listening that they too can look anew at the world each and every day. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's show, the chair of the Piedmont Community Land Trust gives Albemarle supervisors an update on their investments. Those same supervisors discuss the details of a proposed ordinance to make developers designate a fifth of their new units as affordable. Supervisors are asked to provide feedback on whether developers should be able to pay into a fund rather than build those units. And Supervisor Ned Galloway calls for a whole different kind of work session with more stakeholder input to craft a better ordinance. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, one Patreon supporter wants you to know that Charlottesville now has an e-bike lending library. E-bikes are a great way to get around the community, but there are many brands and styles to choose from. Because many e-bikes are sold online, it can be a challenge to try an e-bike before you buy one. The Charlottesville e-bike lending library is a free, not-for-profit service working to expand access to e-bikes in the area. They have a small collection of e-bikes that they lend out to community members for up to a week for free. You can experience your daily commute, go grocery shopping, or even bike your kids to school and decide whether e-bikes are right for you. You can check out this service at www.ebikelibraryseville.org. Today's edition comes mostly from the April 19th, 2023 meeting of the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors and features stories about housing policy. I will have to edit that sentence to state that it is entirely from the April 19th meeting. There's a lot that comes from all of these meetings in Albemarle County and everywhere else, and I want to write about all of it, but I can't always do so. As I got to begin to producing this one today, I'm only halfway through the meeting in question, which I think is very much worth going through the rest of it. It just takes time, and I'm always working on being more efficient. Yet sometimes the only way to get through these long discussions is to take the time to summarize them as best I can. One year ago, the Albemarle Board of Supervisors invested $625,000 from its housing fund into the Piedmont Community Land Trust, an entity that is now under the umbrella of the Piedmont Housing Alliance. The chair of the Land Trust's board appeared before the Board of Supervisors at their meeting on April 19th. Here is Keith Smith. We have taken that money and converted it into 12 permanent uh, new construction units, just to put a little numbers to it, that's translated into $4.8 million worth of homes. Smith said the average household participating is at 65% of the area median income. Our average household income is 49500 bucks. Smith said that with funding from other sources, the Land Trust was able to build a total of 23 units in developments such as Avon Park. He said some of the homes were bought by Albemarle County, and the land trust structure will help keep them affordable. 
Smith pointed to the fate of one home, made possible through Charlottesville City Council's $240,000 investment for four units on Nassau Street in April of 2017. The city gave us $60,000. That one-time contribution has already translated into two buyers. The original buyer who bought it at 80% AMI, actually 65. They recently sold a home, made $50,000, moved up the ladder of affordability. Smith said the land use trust mechanism kept the sales price low because the nonprofit entity owns the land and the homeowners now own the structure. You can look forward to hearing more about such mechanisms in future editions of this program. Now, on to the lengthy work session. The Albemarle Board of Supervisors updated the county's housing policy in July of 2021 when they adopted a plan called Housing Albemarle. But so far, they have not passed an ordinance to impose requirements on developers to set aside a percentage of units as affordable. They didn't get any closer to doing so at a work session held on April 19th, and we'll have another one soon in the near future. Last Wednesday's work session was the latest in a series of discussions intended to create a system of financial incentives for developers to designate units as affordable. The most recent one was in February. This time around, housing policy manager Stacy Pethia wanted feedback from supervisors. We would really like to get feedback on the proposed cash and lieu payments. Uh, so if those amounts are set at an, at an appropriate level. Um, board feedback on uh, a proposed right of nonprofits to purchase affordable dwelling units. In February of 2022, the idea had been to create an overlay district for affordable housing, but supervisors pushed back on the idea at the time. The idea of an affordable dwelling ordinance was discussed at a work session of May of 2022. A month later, supervisors officially directed staff to pursue one under Virginia Code. There are two different provisions for this form of inclusionary zoning. One is really... Um, has a lot of specific direction attached to it, uh, and that is for the majority of the localities in the state. There are a handful of localities across Virginia that have a less restrictive version uh, of the enabling legislation, and so really we fall under that less restrictive version. This would allow Albemarle to require a certain percentage of new units to be designated as only being available for households below a certain income threshold, and to set a minimum length for them to remain affordable. Uh, the only thing that we are required to do is offer, um, is attach this to uh, rezoning or special use permits that request a, an increase in density. The projects would need to have a minimum of 20% of the units provided as affordable housing. For sales, the definition of affordable would be for households making less than 80% of the area median income. For rentals, that would be for households making less than 60% of the AMI. It also complete, includes a component that would provide nonprofits the right to purchase affordable units after 60-day marketing period. After that 60-day period, if no income-qualified buyer from the waiting list has been identified, then the units would be offered to local nonprofits to purchase. The waiting list does not yet exist and would have to be created. Pethia said the county is currently evaluating different software models. 
Under the proposal, developers could pay a fee in lieu of building the units, and this would go to the affordable housing reserve. Um, and that cash in lieu fee would be equal to 50% of the affordable dwelling unit sales price for each ADU not provided. Pethia said that currently works out to about $109,000 per unit. The developers could also build the units off-site, but would have to demonstrate why providing the houses on-site would not be feasible. Albemarle would also require affordable units to be no different than market rate ones. That would include making sure that the the affordable units are the same square footage as the market rate units, have a mix of bedrooms per unit similar to the mix of bedrooms in the market rate units, um, and that the ADUs would include a minimum set of appliances. Pethia calculated the maximum sales price under the draft ordinance at $219,050, based on 65% of one federal metric. The current maximum under existing policy is at $243,750. These sale prices would be controlled for 40 years. The rental prices would be capped based on housing Albemarle. Uh, that maximum rent includes not just the rent that um, is charged for the unit, but also a utility allowance. And so what it does is make sure that the rent plus utilities is 30% of 60% area median income. Landlords could increase rent at no more than 3% at each lease renewal. Rents would be reset if new tenants took over the space. Once a year, tenants in rental situations would have to prove their incomes were below the qualifying level. Landlords found to be renting out affordable units at market rates would be penalized of a fine of $250 a day. Tenants who did not recertify their income would not be allowed to renew their lease. In a couple of minutes, we'll hear what supervisors had to say. But first, members of the development community had their say earlier in the public comment period. Neil Williamson of the Free Enterprise Forum noted there are at least 16 required tasks that will have to be performed by county staff as part of the proposed program. Based on our analysis, the ADU program would require the county executive or his her designee to annually set press limit, price limits on ADU sale, annually set price control limits on ADU resale, establish qualifications for all potential ADU buyers, recruit he read the and certify He read the rest of the tasks before concluding. Annual recertification of ADU tenants, issuing zoning violations and collecting fines for violations. As a reminder, the Albemarle County Office of Housing currently has one employee. Valerie Long, with the firm Williams Mullen, also had comments on the ADU work session and referred to the affordable grant program that was to have been the subject of a public hearing later on at this meeting just then. My strong concern and that of our many clients who have reviewed these proposals is that if the affordable dwelling units ordinance is adopted, but the grant program does not balance that out, no one will be able to develop any housing under rezonings, much less affordable units. But then it was back to supervisors. This part of the conversation is tricky because the incentives program would still be tied to any application process. Pethia said the county is limited in what incentives can offer, and that's why a grant program is being proposed but not discussed at this particular time. As we'll discuss later this evening, the proposed grant program really looks to fill a gap between the market rent, rate rent, and, and the affordable rent on the affordable units. 
In February, that had included refunding water and sewer connection fees, but that idea has been replaced with a model based on property tax rebates. Supervisor Ned Galloway said he needed a better idea of what restrictions state code put on Albemarle's ability to provide incentives. For two years, I've been throwing out what we can do, a menu of incentive options. And it seems to be collapsing, and I don't understand why. And I'm being told, I was told at the beginning that that was possible, and now I'm, now I'm hearing it's not. Galloway also asked Pethia how many staff members would be required to implement the program. She responded that Loudoun County only has one person in the similar role up there. And so there is a request in the budget for one additional housing staff person um, that would be uh, hired in, in beginning of 2024. Supervisor Diantha McKeel asked Pethia to describe the differences between for-profit developers and non-profit developers. One of the biggest differences between the two is the types of financing that non-profits have access to that um, for-profit developers do not. Um, and so when you look at a project, uh, and, and, and the one I know more about than any of them is the crossings um, at 4th and Preston, um, that project had 17 different types of funding sources associated with it. And they included um, low-income housing tax credit, financing, um, various federal and state grants. In addition, both Albemarle and Charlottesville allocate project-based house vouchers to the crossings. But there are for-profit companies that pursue affordable housing projects as well. Pethia also mentioned Brookdale, a project built by Pinnacle Construction in recent years that included involvement with the county's Economic Development Authority. They requested $1.5 million, uh, and that was to help subsidize the development of 96 affordable units. So all 96 of those units are rented at uh, between 40 and 60 percent of area median income. For more information about that performance agreement for that project, go back and read the article I wrote about Brookdale back in September 2017 for Charlottesville Tomorrow. I'll be back more from now in just a moment. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and since the very beginning of this newsletter, one Patreon supporter who has been there since July of 2020 has used his shout-out to draw your attention to the work of the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Campaign. The campaign is a coalition of grassroots partners, including motivated citizens and volunteers, partner organizations, and local governments who want to promote the use of native plants. Spring has sprung but you still have time to learn about what you need to plan to attract pollinators who will keep native species going. To learn more, visit plantvirginianatives.org to download Piedmont Native Plants, a guide for landscapes and gardens. This is Charlottesville Community Engagement, and we are still in the middle of a work session from April 19th, 2023, on the creation of an affordable dwelling unit ordinance in Albemarle County. Toward the end of her comments, housing policy manager Stacy Pethia had sought feedback on whether developers should be allowed to pay into a cash-in-lieu program for units. This would allow the county to plan better for where to invest that fund. So if we know we're going to get... Um 
one and a half million dollars in, in cash proffers into the housing fund, we can begin to think strategically about how to use what types of projects we know are coming up affordable housing wise and be able to to begin to think about how to use those funds. We will have a comment on that in a minute. But first, at the end of the work session, Supervisor Chair Donna Price asked her colleagues if they had any final comments about the ordinance before staff continues to get it ready for public hearing. Supervisor Ned Galloway pointed to an article posted by Neil Williamson of the Free Enterprise Forum that suggested that the county was going the wrong way on this topic. Today, he released a report and his 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 photo had a sign that said wrong way. Um, and it, and it, I thought about that. I was like, OK, um, so what's the alternative sign? The alternative in that situation would be right way. And in thinking about this today, I don't think that's the sign I envisioned right way. But what I did envision was a sign that said welcome. And once you're in and past the starting line, a bunch of signs that point you in directions of where you'd like to get to and go. Galloway said different stakeholders seem to want the same outcomes, but have different ways to suggest to get there. But he also said that the proposals as they exist may not get enough people past that starting line because he feels developers would just build by right without rezonings. I cannot make a decision on this because right now I don't think anybody walks through the welcome sign and and gets into our park. Referring to his day job in vehicle sales, Galloway said he needed access to more of the financial information to understand what it would mean to incentivize developers to participate in the system. He also said he felt supervisors would benefit from a special meeting to address affordability with more stakeholders than just county staff. Supervisor B. Lepisto-Kirtley agreed and said what had been presented was not clear enough. I'd like to have a separate work session with us, actually with with. Uh, all parties involved. Pethia said another way of proceeding was possible, but she would still take feedback and really wanted to get information on the cash in lieu issue. Supervisor Price said she was skeptical. I'm reluctant on cash in lieu because it appears to me that over time we've gotten money but not housing. Um, But if we were to have a cash in lieu component, I think it needs to be scaled and easily adjustable so that it doesn't almost immediately become antiquated in its application. Supervisor Diantha McKeel said she thought it was worth staff pursuing the overlay district again to provide incentives along bus routes. If we focused an incentive on areas where we need housing, and we've talked about transit, how many times have we mentioned transit here today? We know over at Rio and uh, 29, we're probably going to need a transit hub. What a great place to put an overlay for affordable housing. County Executive Jeffrey Richardson said he would follow board's direction to hold another work session and one that would take different format than those scheduled to date. A reminder that later on in this meeting, supervisors had a public hearing on the Affordable Housing Grant Program, as well as a tax relief program. They also had an hour and a half long discussion on the budget. Do you think that there's enough information available about what's happening at these meetings? I would love to be writing about Albemarle County every single day, but it's just me at Town Crier Productions. I'd like to know, where are the other news articles about these topics? Does anybody else feel it's worthwhile to produce them? I sure do. And even if it does take me a little while to get to them, you, the podcast listener, 
I really thank you for providing me a place to put this together because you're listening and that's really important to me. And I thank you. is where I admit that writer's block got to me on this edition of the program, and I just couldn't finish up this work session quickly. But I finally pushed through and now hope to produce three more editions this week. Every week seems to be a little different production-wise. I'm just grateful to be able to keep doing the work. If you want to help keep the work going, please do consider a paid subscription through Substack. You'll get access to a little extra content, and if you plan to pledge at the $200 a year level, you will get two shout-outs a month. Tank will match that initial subscription. All of them are good, and I appreciate every single dollar. If you sign up for Ting at a link in the newsletter and enter the promo code community, you will get free installation, a second month for free, and a $75 gift card to the downtown mall. The music at the beginning is by PJ Sykes. The music at the end and everywhere else is by Rocky, including this lovely singer that you are about to hear. Goodbye. <laughs>